Welcome. This is Orion Rising News. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Okay. So, what we got going on today? Let me turn the camera on so you can see me. There you go. Okay, so here we are. And those of you who have visuals, you can see me here. Namaste. Those of you who can't, you're on the podcast. This show is going to be a little rough on you because uh, I'm going to be showing some visuals. So, um, I'll be talking about it so you'll kind of maybe get the picture here. Um, one of the things that's driving me absolutely nuts, okay, is the media. And, I mean, you know, what, more than normal, Leo? Yes, the media keeps saying this whole thing is a racial war, racial protest, because of systemic racism in America, okay? First, the protests were obviously about the COVID-19. They were even calling those racial tensions, okay? That was a lie. Then we have then we have this this poor guy George uh, Floyd who who tragically was murdered by an evil man who will go to jail, okay. And and then you have people in the media trying to say that, of course, as usual, all white people are prejudiced and all cops are prejudiced, and all cops want to kill black people more than they kill anyone else, and they refuse to hear the the uh, actual numbers. They just keep uh, saying that that's a lie and it's not, okay? But what pisses me off the most is the media keeps saying racial uh, problems, racial, these protests are all racial protests. It's, it's the black man, uh, the black people, and they keep protesting because they're being this systemic racism in America. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I went online and I grabbed some photos, and you can do the same thing. So I, I didn't have to look hard. It wasn't like I'm stacking the deck now. I want you to know that because you can go right now and Google that shit. Google, uh, you know, uh, 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 George Floyd protests and then go to images, okay? And then just scroll down the images. You'll see the same photos that I am seeing. And I grab like, I don't know, 13 or 14 of them. And they're in a slideshow that I'm going to play for you right now. And I want you to see if it's racist and systemic racism then you're going to see, like in the civil rights movements in the in the 60s, where there were all black people out there protesting and hardly any if or none at all white people. Okay? Because if all white people are racist and it's systemic and the whole system is set up for us to live racist uh, above the, the black people, then why is it that in these images here that you're going to see on your screen uh, that you see just as many white people as you do black people in some of these photos there's more white people. None of these photos are from outside the United States of America, mind you. I made sure that all of these photos that you're seeing are cities around the United States of America. So it's not like, oh, well, those are the protests from England. And of course, there's less black people over there. And those are the protests from, no. Okay, and I looked at those photos too. But if you look at these photos that are here, what you're seeing is almost the exact 50-50 between race. Okay, and some of these photos you're seeing more white people than black people. So if white people, first of all, if it is a racial unrest that's going on, what race is it? The human race? Because what I'm seeing here is, is not just black people out there, African-Americans out there standing in front of the police, protesting, heckling the police, carrying signs that say Black Lives Matter. I'm seeing every race. So why is it that they keep saying on the news that these, this, this is a racial thing. Okay, now, is, is there prejudice? Yes. 
There's always been prejudice. There's always going to be prejudice. People are prejudiced, not everyone. But you're going to have that 1%. And that 1% makes all of us look bad. Okay? So you can't blame an entire race and say the entire race is systemically, the system is systemically set up against one race. Because that's just untrue. Everybody has the same opportunity. We went over this on my last video. Okay? My people were beaten down. My people were starved. I grew up poor. Poorer than most African Americans. Okay? But I'm not trying to say that their plight is wrong. I'm not trying to say that there isn't inherent some injustice. A lot of injustice. I'm not saying that. Okay? I'm not arrogant and I'm not stupid. So I'm not going to try and say that none of that stuff happens. Because we all know it does. Okay? We all know that it does. I, am, I have freckles. I'm polka dotted. I went through prejudice, and I still do. People look at me weird when they've, if they've never seen someone with freckles. And I have children saying, Mommy, that man is, is spotted. In fact, that was an African-American little boy that happened about 10 years ago. I guess he had never seen someone with freckles before. His mom just laughed it off and said, Oh, no, baby, he has freckles. <laughs> she was like, What's that? And I stopped and I said, These. I said, you have one solid color skin. I don't. Mine is different colors in different places. And he looked at my arm and touched my arm. And he was okay with it, but he didn't understand it. And I said, you'll understand it as you get older. Right? So, in a sense, my family, having freckles, we go through just as much heckling as other races do. People, people treat us differently because we're spotted. That is not a joke. So I understand it a little bit more than you think just because, uh, you know, I look like I'm a white guy. Everybody just assumes, oh, well, he's a white guy. He must be prejudiced. That's just like I'm a white guy with tattoos. So people look at me and go, oh, he must be a biker then. Right? You know, it's funny. I, I had uh, shaved my mustache. As you guys, I'm sure if anybody who knows me, you know that in the last few years, I've changed my, uh, my mustache, my hair, every kind of thing that you can imagine over and over. And I just recently grew my mustache back. Okay? But... I grew the, I grew my, grew my, I should have primed this. I, I wasn't pre prepared to go down the road with that, but I, I had a long mustache that hung down like tusks, you know, and I wore that. And then just the centerpiece, the librette that, that came down and the in-between was shaved off and no uh, sideburns. And I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, um, uh, she said to me that I look like, um, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, I can't think of his name. The, the, the guy from uh, Orange County's Chopper, the senior, Paul, Paul Tuttle, senior. And I said, oh, wow, no, wait, hold on. And I went and grabbed my hat, ball cap, and put it on backwards, right? And I said, check it out. And I took a picture of myself, and she said, oh, my God, you look like, like Paulie Senior. And then I didn't realize what hat that I had on, but it was a, a hat that has uh, the American flag and an eagle on it and, it, and it says USA on the brim, and it has gold leaf here, so it looks like, a hat that, you know, that uh, Patriots would wear or, or guys who were um, ex-military. So I turned the hat around the front ways and I said, now what do I look like? And that's what she said. She said, you look like a, a vet, a veteran. And I was like, oh, wow. I, I said, but then when I turned around the other way, I, I, look like, uh, I look like a biker. I'm like, how similar those two uh, um, people are. One wearing their hat forward, one wearing their hat backwards, but the look is identical. And I didn't think about that. Right, because I have that look when people look at me, and they just assume certain things. So, you know, so you know, that's that's people judging a book by its cover. Once again, that's a prejudice. But my point here is, guys, that the media is drumming up 
and trying to cause this whole unrest to be something that it's not. And that's why Antifa was starting the fires uh, and, and looting. And once we outed them, all of a sudden all that stopped, didn't it? But it died off pretty quickly and everybody started throwing rocks at those guys. Get out of here with that crap. Okay, so I want to thank all of you. I know that I'm not going to reach the whole world, but I want to thank you guys out there who stopped the violence and, and you know, told on those guys and did what I did and outed them. It ended up on national news, and that was the end of it. They squelched things, but there, you know, there's going to be something else, guys. Just so you know, be prepared. The cabal is not done here. They're not done yet. Things are starting to, to look good for the economy again. So now they're starting to lie about the numbers. Once again, I was just on the, just now, before I came in here to record, I was watching the news and it was local news here in Sacramento. And they're given the numbers of how many people are uh, infected now because everybody running around with the, uh, uh, going out with, for the protests and uh, everybody going out for the holiday weekend two weeks ago and, uh, uh, or a week and a half ago now. Um, and, uh, you know, because of that, there's this new surge across the nation of coronavirus. So we went from, and I said this on my, on my uh, other uh, show, and I'm going to do the math on this because uh, that we were, and I was bitching about this number when they were saying it was 1,500 people per day in the state of California. Okay, so now what they're saying is that it's 2,700 per day being tested positive. Okay, so 2,700, I have my calculator out on my phone now, so if you see me looking down here, this is what I'm doing. And those of you who are on the podcast, all of a sudden I got kind of quiet there. Right? All right. So 2,700 times seven is 18,900 new cases in a seven day time period. What? Wait a minute. Say that again. Leo said in the state of California alone, they are now currently claiming 18,900 new cases per week. So let's times that by four weeks. And that's 75,600 new cases by the end of the month. That's what they're claiming. Are you fucking kidding me? If that were the case, then there would be, you know, how many of those, how many of those are in the hospital? How many are all in the hospital right now currently? Okay, now the news did say the other day, uh, last night or the night before, that uh, here in the state of California, that the people who are who currently are in the hospital because of the coronavirus is occupying about 40% of the beds in the emergency room, 40%, okay? And, and that's, and I don't know how much of that is real because they've been lying about the numbers and overinflating the numbers for so long. I don't know how much of that is real. However, I did just put out on my page something that, uh, that a guy put together they did finally admit that they were overinflating the the uh, virus, and that, but I've also been uh, um, told by uh, doctors. In fact, I think even Anthony Fauci said this. Don't quote. I'm not quoting whether he did or not because I might be wrong. I might be somebody else. I, I talked to so many. I didn't talk to him, but I've seen him on the news. But I talked to so many people that are doctors these days because of this. But the, the, you know, the I was saying the virus wasn't mutating at all, and I needed to find out if it was, because if it mutates and you get a different strand. Uh, the, then, then it'll continue to be here and we'll have it every year. And if it doesn't mutate, it'll die off because everybody will be immune to it. Okay, so I was told, no, it is, it is actually uh, mutating, but it's not, so it will be around, but it's not, um, it's, it's mutating to a less lethal form. I was told, look, the virus wants to live and survive. 
So if it kills the host, it dies. Okay, so the virus itself has, has realized that with people dying, that it doesn't have a long life. And, it, and if everybody quarantines, it'll die off. So it's mutated and it's a less lethal form. So they say that, okay, I preface that with quotes because they say that uh, and then they say, yeah, it's a, it only has a 0.2% chance of, of killing you now. And I'm like, really, that's funny because I did the math in, in, in uh, May, April and May. And um, I was saying that it was at 0.5% or 0.2%. And I was being told by doctors that it was, in fact, less than that. It was 0.05% and then 0.02%. So now they've, and the, before they said it was at 4%, guys, by the way, 4% death rate, which, you know, you, you go, well, 4%, that's not that much. No, that's pretty bad. That's, that's world killing uh, death rate. 4% chance of dying is pretty, pretty high for a, for a virus. Um, you know, one in four people die in the United States of America. And, you know, how many people is that? That's about 100 million people, right? <laughs> Close to 100 million people. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of people. So... So that now they're backing off. See, here's what they're doing. Oh, well, it's mutated and it's less lethal. Um, so now the death rate's gone down a little bit. And now they're getting closer to the real number the way it was before. Okay, now it, I, I can tell you that it was higher. And I, and I know that it was higher at one point because between uh, November and December, in that 60-day time period, 89,000 Americans died from, quote, unquote, the flu because they didn't know about the coronavirus until uh, you know, late December, early January, when the Chinese finally said to the World Health Organization, oops, we have something over here, and we're calling it the coronavirus, you know, COVID-19. Then everybody was like, what is that? We need to test for it. What is it? You know, and then they, they got some uh, from, the, from the laboratories over in China, got it here in, in America, and then they were able to start testing for it. So I believe, like most level-headed scientists believe, doctors uh, believe, that it had already hit here in America in November, maybe even earlier. It could have started here in October. Um, and they said that, you know, even the CDC said that, and I showed that on one of my shows, guys, that it was, on, uh, you know, uh, very strange that the flu season had started then because our flu season just starts to ramp up uh, somewhere in December. Before that, it's not really prevalent, October, September, October, November. Uh, usually hits in December, January, and then February, and then by that time it's it's uh, fading. But people still get it just like this. So they're lying again still about the numbers. They're trying to, to get people afraid, right? The new norm. Have you seen that? They keep saying that now. The new norm with everybody wearing masks. And they've already said the masks don't work. First they said the masks don't work. Then they said everybody needs to wear a mask at the very least. And now they're making masks and they're printing on the mask that it does not actually help, not guaranteed to keep you from getting COVID-19. Okay, so the masks don't work, people. You're walking around wearing these masks and it's not guaranteed, not guaranteed, because you could touch something that somebody touched, okay? And, and then you could get it from that. Unless everybody's wearing gloves as well, then you can still get it. If I'm buying something in the store and I have touched it and I take it up to the counter and set it down, that bacteria is now on that countertop. It's on one of those little rolly wheels. So when that thing comes back up again, somebody else walks over and puts something down on there. Guess what? It transfers. And guess what? When the cashier grabs it and swipes it, bleep, 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 bleep. Guess what happens? They've now touched it. 
Okay, it's on their hands. They're not wearing gloves. And even if they are, it's on the gloves. Now, if they're not paying attention and they accidentally touch something of themselves, guess what? Okay, so you see, it's not a guarantee. And then if I'm, if I'm sneezing, you got that sneeze guard that's like, you know, barely a barrier. We're fooling ourselves. They're putting the stuff up there uh, and, and it's a minimum. I'm not, I'm not the, the, you know, I'm not a CDC expert. You know, I'm not a, a disease control person expert, but I, I do have a brain. And all these, uh, all these things that they've implemented is, is I mean, it, unless everybody's wearing a full hazmat gear, then this is nothing. It's not preventing anything. It's just a waste of money. Well, you know, will it will it stop a little bit? Yeah, maybe it might. Right? The 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 mask might. But the truth is, it's it, you know, it's either going to run its course or it's not. Okay. So they're lying still about that. They're still trying to get you people out there to believe that they're that white people are, and black people are going to go to war with each other. Any second now, it's going to break out. Right? That's not happening. When you take people out into the, and this should be a study. I said this to someone else. They, they, they need to do a study on this. And I'm going to call for it on here. And anybody that hears this, call your, your uh, senators or your, or your Congress people. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to write letters and I'm going to try and get it. I'm going to send it in, try and get somebody to talk about it on national news. Okay. There needs to be a study done, a secret study. If they haven't already, they should do this. What they need to do is you need to get like 100 people Right, just average people off the streets. Doesn't matter the the. Well, actually, it does matter the race. You want 50 uh, white people and 50 black people, and what you want to do is you want to you want to make each the other race. And we can do this now where it looks really really authentic, and have the white people walk around as black people, and have them go and do stuff in their normal daily life, and have them pay attention to the way people treat them and look at them to see if it's any different, and then send them into an all-white neighborhood and have them do that. Then send them into a segregated neighborhood, then send them into an all-black neighborhood, okay? And do that with men and women and do the same thing with black people, turn them into white people and send them out into the world and have them pay attention to see if people treat them any differently. And they have to be honest. They can't have pre-existing uh, pre, uh, uh, conditions in their mind, a set of rules of, well, I know what's going to happen. They can, you gotta, so you've got to do a psyche valve on these people Right. And, but it needs to be done. I think it needs to be done because then you're going to get a good look at, man, those people. Because I know that it does happen if you're fat and, I've, and I'm fat. I'm overweight. I used to be 480 pounds. OK. When you are obese, people pretend you're not there. And this really did happen. OK. And people do this to you. And um, I, I think it was, was it Gwyneth Paltrow that was in Hollow, Hollow Al, Shallow Al, Shallow Al. Um, I think that was her that was in there. The actress that played that part, she wore a fat suit for the for the part. And she also because he saw her as skinny. So she was herself playing the part that he saw. But but what he didn't see was that she was, um, you know, 300 pounds. So when she was in the fat suit. She said in an interview that she actually wore that suit, put on all the makeup and everything and left and went out into public because people that are overweight say that they're treated a certain way. She went out into public and she said people pretended she wasn't even there. She said it was the worst day of her life. I mean, even though she's a, you know, an actress, so she's used to attention. She said this was completely the opposite. They were pretending I wasn't even there. And this happens. Okay, and if you're a man 
and you're overweight. It's even worse because women do that. All women do that. They pretend they don't see you because they're afraid you're going to talk to them and that you're going to like be a stalker or some guy who likes them. And they're like, oh man, this guy's huge. I don't even want to see him. Okay. And this is true. So, so that is a form of, of, uh, you know, uh, prejudice. So my whole life I've been polka dotted because I have freckles and I've been overweight. So I have an understanding of the way people are treated differently in this country. So that's why I'm trying to say to you guys, I'm not claiming that what African-Americans saying are saying is not true because it is, but it's not everybody that is racist. Not everyone is racist. Okay. I'm colorblind. I mean, literally I don't see black and white, but I have many different problems with colors. Okay. But, you know, but socially I'm colorblind. I don't give a crap at all what race you are. In fact, I like the diversity of being able to look at women from all these different races and these different colors. I like that because it's not, everybody's not all the same. If everybody was the same, it'd be boring, right? So I actually like the fact that there are Asian people and that there are, you know, and then there's differences there between Japanese and, and Chinese and Korean and Vietnamese, right? Uh, and Filipino. I love that. I love that because of the features that are there on, and then when you start mixing them, some of them don't work really well, but some of them make some really, really pretty uh, babies, men and women, right? You get these, these African-Americans with these beautiful, gorgeous blue eyes, right? You get the, in the you, know, you know what I'm talking about? So I look at that like it's a good thing. I don't see it as a bad thing. I like the fact that people of different races are breeding with one another and, and uh, interbreeding. And you have, you know, people that are like five races now because they're part Italian and Korean and Vietnamese and black, right? And some of that stuff, like I said, whoo, doggy, that's beautiful looking stuff right there. Men and women, I look at some guys and go, man, look at that. And people are like, well, he's black. You wouldn't want to be him. If I had those eyes, yeah, I would. <laughs> I'd be killing it. I'd be getting laid every day, all day, all night. Just take a break to get some water and get some sleep. All right, so I don't want any of you guys thinking that I'm this token white guy that's, you know, the prejudiced white guy. Oh, you guys are all the same. I'm not. I'm not that. There are things that need to be addressed. There are. But we need to, we need to actually talk about them, right? I said this before. We're, we're you know, who, who's supposed to talk about it? You know what I mean? We need to sit down with some leaders that aren't, you know, that aren't like um, stuck in the 60s like Al Sharpton is. Stuck in the 60s, preaching that same Black Panther crap that didn't work in the 60s, okay? And you have, you have African-American leaders now who are saying that about those people, okay? I just watched uh, two of them last night on the news, and I can't think of what their names were now. One was Leo. I know that because my name being Leonard, I'm Leo. I'm, you know, my name's Leo. Um, so I, I, but I don't remember what his last name was. He was African-American, and the other guy was too. And the other guy looked like... Um, he looked like... What's his name? He looked like uh, uh, King... He, he looked like, you know, he had gray hair, but it was all sprawled out like this. And he had big, long, long. He looked like a hippie, um, you know, but he was African-American. He looked like an African-American hippie. Uh, and he's, he's a civil rights activist. Don't get me wrong. He has, I like a lot of what he has to say, but he's also stuck in that mindset of Malcolm X that didn't never work. Uh, instead of, you know, you have those two factions of, of philosophical thoughts when it comes to um, the races and, you know, and I'm not a Malcolm X um, um, fan. 
I don't believe in, in war. I don't believe in violence to settle racial issues. That just steeps the racial issues and makes them deeper. The only way that you're going to do it is, is not through violence. It's going to be through talk, peace. That's calmly as adults. And that's what you have in the African-American community as well. You have these leaders that are older that, that follow you know, the Martin Luther King uh, guidelines of, of how, to, how to fix racist, uh, racism. And then you have the Malcolm X followers, and that's the problem that, you know, your Antifa, uh, you know, they believe that they are, um, you know, the military, uh, 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 you know, uh, Black Panthers from the 60s. And who knows, maybe, they, maybe the people who founded it are. I don't know enough about Antifa. I just know that they're a terrorist organization. And um, they're listed as that now. American terrorist organization. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's too bad for them. But we do need to, to, you know, fix things. Like Bubba Wallace said, you guys probably don't know his name. I just said his name, and if you're a NASCAR fan, you understand that. Bubba Wallace is... Um, I think he's currently the only um, African-American driver for the uh, Cup Series. Um, and I say currently because there's been others, right? Um, so he's, uh, he's half, uh, he's mulatto. But you, you know, he looks more, more African-American than he doesn't. Uh, but he, you know, he said, and I agree with this, that, and he grew up in the South, just so you know, that, you know, the Confederate flag needs to go. I feel so, you know, I'm sorry for those of you who are, who uh, still want to fly that flag down in the South, but that flag, unfortunately, like the, like the Nazi swastika has become synonymous with a, a racial problem that's very deep in this country. And we need to stop flying that flag. It needs to be retired. We needs to go into history and stay there. Okay. I know some of you who are, you know, grew up in the South, you believe that's a, a rebel flag. And it was, it was a rebel battle flag of the republic but it was but you have to understand that that's a dinosaur that's not ever coming back and and even if something did happen say and states seceded from the union they wouldn't fly that flag okay because of and they might have 10 years ago but now the people that are there wouldn't stand for it because there's so many people that are even even in the south that are not prejudice okay and unfortunately for us that flag has become the symbol of slavery that's what's happened people so you can't erase that now okay so we need to stop flying that flag because it's people are just looking at you like you're a racist in fact i I thought that was funny when they did that in the they did the made the movie and this was i don't know 10 15 20 years ago they redid the movie of the dukes of hazard and when they came to L.A. driving the, the orange car with the, with the Confederate flag on the top, they didn't understand. And people yelling out, out the window, you racist. I thought that was great that they put that in there. Right? I did. I laughed and I went, yeah, that would be the way it would be today. But back in the 70s when, when they were out there running around, that didn't mean that. Do you see? It wasn't, you know, to the people in the South, it probably did. To African Americans, it probably did. But to most Americans, they, did, they really didn't see it as a racist thing. Just, yeah, that's those, you know, they're from the South, and you know, those guys want to keep raising that flag. But we were made aware of it, you see? And so the, 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 the people in the civil rights movement, as time went on, continued until eventually they convinced America, look, this is offensive to us. And I agree. I never thought about it because I was white 
I didn't see it when I was a kid. I didn't think about it. And they never said anything. I had friends. I've always grown up with friends of every race. So I never thought about racism until people talk about it on the news. You know, or somebody mentions it to me, you know. Um, I remember when I was uh, in my early 20s and, and one of the hurricanes hit really hard. It might have been um, uh, Katrina. I don't remember which one it was. Uh, and a lot of people got displaced. So there was people from down south uh, out here in California. And, and they ended up, they were working uh, uh, for the labor companies. And I had, you know, we hired some people because we were opening a store. We needed more labor. And uh, there, was a, there was a couple of guys that were from here that were working with us as well. And he, one of the guys that was from here turned and he smarted off to me about something. And I just turned and did like you normally do when you're hanging out with your buddies. You smart off back and you both laugh about it and start, you know, oh, don't bring moms into this and that. And the guy looked at him and said, what are you doing, bro? And he says, what are you talking about? He goes, you don't talk to white people like that. And he says, where are you from, nigga? That's what he said to him. And he's like, I'm from the South. I think he was from Mississippi. And I said, I said, what? I said, really? I said, do they still do that down there? And that was, you know, we didn't know that. I was like 21 years old. We didn't realize here that there was still racism down in, in, the, in the southern states. That was embedded like that. Yeah, you don't talk to white people like that even now. I was like, wow, is it really fucked up like that now down there? And he was like all over the south. And I was like, wow, I, did not, I didn't know that. So it was a good thing that that happened because they were, then those guys coming here started educating those of us who we live like that all the time because we've all grown up together without racism. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist in the state of California. I'm just saying that the, there are some areas where apparently it's still more prevalent than other areas. So some area you can't assume that everywhere you go, it's like that, right? You you can't. Now, I you know I know that if I were look at me right now, white guy, if this were a midnight and I showed up in an all black neighborhood. Uh, even here, I'm sure I would, you know, probably have some problems. I don't, I, I don't know that I would. I lived in an all-black neighborhood, and in fact, there was gangs. Uh, and this was uh, just after that. No, it was before it. It was before that incident that I told you about, where that guy said that about the people in the south. And I was coming back from a ball game. I dropped my girlfriend off, and I was coming back from a ball game. I ran out of gas in my car. I was being stupid and trying to drive farther than I should have. I knew that it was almost out of gas. In fact, it kind of sputtered on the freeway. And I kept driving past, the, I can make it to the next gas station. I was stupid. Ran out of gas, now I had to walk. And it was after midnight, and it was an all-black neighborhood that I was living in, mostly, where I lived on the street that I lived on. There was like four of us that were other races, but everybody else was black. It was a black town, Pittsburgh, California. And, in fact, it was just outside of West Pittsburgh. My car died in West Pittsburgh, and I had to walk uh, uh, up, up from there. For those of you who know Pittsburgh. So, and not Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, California. So I, I was walking through the neighborhood and there were, they were all, the people were all out. It was, the gang was out and they were doing dice on the, on the sidewalk. And, uh, you know, I don't know what they were doing across the street, but they were posted up on both sides of the street. And it was a larger street there. It had two, um, four lanes and not two, but, uh, they, but it was, you know, they were posted up there. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to have any problem, it's going to be right here because this is the gang right here this is their territory and i'm gonna walk through and and i just walk, you know i walk up and there's a guy with a gun in his hand and he's just kind of sitting there playing with his gun and you know he looks up at me 
and they weren't sure what to do. It was hilarious. I think I spooked them. I think I scared them. Here's this six foot one uh, white guy at midnight just walking down the sidewalk, and I guess they didn't notice me right away. I don't know, but he looked up and saw me, and he looked over at one of his buddies, and he went, hey, and then nodded at me like, look at this. And the guy just looked at me and looked back at him and gave him a shrug of his shoulder like, so? So I don't know if they thought maybe I was like an undercover cop or I was crazy. You know what I mean? Because what's this white dude doing walking at like 1 o'clock in the morning out here in, in gang ghetto gang territory? Well, I had to get home. <laughs> I had to get home. I didn't say anything to him. I just walked in and I thought, you know, if I, you know, at any second they're probably going to jump me from behind. I, I was scared. Because I had heard rumors that if you're a white guy and you walk into a black neighborhood, they'll jump you, right? But I thought, I, I think they're just people like me, and what, but they are gang members, <laughs> right? So I was like, they are gang members. Maybe they're going to, you know, hit me over the head. They didn't do anything. I just kept walking and no one said anything. No one moved. They just watched me walk by, went back to what they were talking about and doing, right? So they were just guys on the block. And when I walked by, they didn't, you know, either then, like I said, they, maybe I scared him. They thought he must be crazy or have a gun or why is he be out here? You know, or is he a cop? Why would he be out here? I don't know. I just know that nothing happened. Nothing ever happened. But then we did find out that most of the neighborhood knew who we were because we kept guns. We were hunters and we had shotguns and rifles and pistols. And um, we would bring them out and show them to people. And we'd have the big bay windows open. We did that on purpose. Let the people know we have guns and dogs. So apparently the word got around to the neighborhood not to mess with us because we had guns and dogs. And so they were like, those guys will shoot you. They have guns, a lot of them. So we never got ripped off. We never got broken into. Uh, there was people that had bars on all their windows and, and we never had bars on any of our windows and no one ever broke into any of the, our house. We were there for, I don't know, seven years, 10 years, something like that before we moved. So I guess, you know, it's the, it was the guns were the, the, the uh, deterrent. But those guys, couldn't, unless they knew who, that it was me, right, when they saw me and recognized me, that's one of those crazy white guys down the street with guns. I don't know. I'm just saying. He had a gun. If he wanted to, he could have shot me dead right there. They could have just pounded me over the head and beat my ass if they wanted to. But they didn't. So who's to say, right? But apparently, you know, there's still a lot of racism going on in different places. So that, I think, is why it's hard for some people to believe when people talk about how there's so much systemic racism because in places where, where you know, many people grow up, they don't, we just don't see that because there's not any racist. I mean, you know, you look at the guys uh, from, you know, back in the day, you know, the, um, there's, you know, like the governor of, of, um, of Virginia, and, you know, there's pictures of him. He's either dressed up in a blackface outfit or he's dressed up as a KKK guy when he was in high school, we would have never thought of that. We didn't do stuff like that in any play. <laughs> you know what I mean? That just wasn't something that was accepted. But it was in his school. That was also older than me. I, you know, he was, he's, uh, I think he's in his 60s. He was 10 years older than me. But that, you know, but some people are prejudiced. I personally know people who are prejudiced, right? And I also know that prejudice was a little more prevalent when I was younger, people would make comments, but it was always the same few people that would make comments like that. The first time I heard a white man being prejudiced about, about black people was, um, was a guy that was uh, the owner of the, of the beauty salon that my mom worked for, her husband, 
And my mom and my mom was a Raider fan, and he was a 49er fan. Because when you live in the San Francisco Bay Area, you were either one or the other. And there was always a rivalry. And they were going to play on Sunday. And he actually said to my mom, I was standing there, and I, I think I was 10. And he said to my mom, hey, we got a game coming up on the weekend. I'll bet our niggers beat your niggers. That's what he said. And that was the first time I'd heard somebody saying some racist remark in my life. And it stuck with me to this day. I knew it was racist and I looked at him and, and I thought that man is racist and I don't like him. I never spoke to him again. Okay. And I remember my mom was taken aback by what he said. And she said, what, what, I'm sorry, what did you say? And he repeated it. And she looked at him and said, should you be talking like that? And he goes, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I'm just saying that our team's going to beat your team. And then he backed off because my mom was kind of getting a little offended by it. And she wasn't like she looked at me and went, my son's right there. She was just like, whoa. Okay. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> right? But there was comments. People made comments. So, yeah, I get it. I do. I get it. People, people are racist and they say racist things. But it's few. It's not everybody. Not everybody, in my opinion, and that's probably because of my upbringing. I don't know. But I wasn't raised that way. And the people around me weren't. Our schools were not segregated. Everybody was in wherever. We all hung out. We were all friends of every race. And I never even thought to, you know, uh, uh, anything like that. It's not like I say, oh, that's my friend. He's the one, that black guy. I don't say those things. That's just my friend. That guy right there. <laughs> right? See that guy in the blue shirt? That's, yeah. I, you know what I mean? So... I guess it's just places and people, whether you make the choice and the decision to be that way or if you're brought up that way. And that's a part of the problem with the South. I agree with that. But it's not all white people. And you saw the pictures here. Okay? There's white people that are just as offended with what's going on as there are African Americans and other races, too. There was other races there. And you look around the world, guys. You see that other people are with us in this. They agree all over the planet and they're, and they're not just all African Americans or African uh, in descent okay so I want that said I want that I want people to acknowledge that and we don't get that that's a prejudice and that's a that's a racist thing that we don't get the benefit you hear people saying white people are prejudiced police are prejudiced you're, you're labeling all of them I don't like that that's racist in and of itself, that's reverse racism. That is racist. Okay? Whether you believe that black people can't be racist or not, that's racist. If you blanket somebody, that would be like me saying all black people are racist. Right? I said this before. All Mexicans are lazy. All Irish guys are alcoholics. And all they want to do is fight. Okay? Is that true to some extent? Yeah. Yeah. But most people drink. But yeah, do the Irish like to brawl? Yeah, yeah, we like to punch people in the face. We do. Smack you right in the mouth. <laughs> That's the way we are. It's just the way we are. Come on, I know Mexicans are the same way, right? I've seen many Latinos. They'll drink and punch you in the face. <laughs> I think every race is that way. I don't think it is a systemic to a single uh, race. I think the humans, we're humans. We drink. And if, and if that, you know, people, not everybody drinks, really, then why is it that you can get alcohol everywhere? Gas stations, you can pull in to get gas and bring alcohol out with you. You can buy alcohol in more places than you can go to see Jesus. <laughs> it's no joke. That's no joke. So everybody drinks, otherwise there wouldn't be so much alcohol, right? Everybody drinks, so there wouldn't be that much alcohol. All right, guys. 
So I know I rambled, 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 rambled. But I want you guys to understand out there, some of you out there who think all white people are racist, we're not. We're on your side. This whole thing that's going on is a class war between the rich and the elite and us poor, and they don't want to tell you that. So they're making that sound like it's a race thing. It's not. You guys all know it. It's injustice. It's injustice that's inherent in a system that is serving the rich and the elite, not just white people. It's just the rich and the elite. And I wish that you guys would change that narrative and start understanding that. We're with you. We're just as frustrated as you are. They're killing the middle class. That's all of us. That's the only jobs we have. You're either poor and destitute and, and subservient to them, or you're the middle class. You don't get to, we don't get to be rich in the elite, and if we make it there, they try to incorporate us into their club as fast as they can, right? And that does happen to some people, but what you need to understand is most of us are just as poor, just as tired, piece of hair in my tongue, bleh, and just as, and just as uh, uh, in trouble as you are and, and treated the same way. My brother was 18 years old, and he bought a BMW. Now, it wasn't a you know, brand-new BMW. It was a 1977 or 78 320i, but it was a BMW. And he bought that, but he was taking his girlfriend home one night, and it was in this small town just outside of the town that we grew up in in Concord. It was called Clayton. And Clayton had a little bit more money, the people who lived there, than the people in Concord. He's white. He went to a white neighborhood in a BMW, dropped off his girlfriend, and he got pulled over by the sheriff or a deputy. And they said to him, what are you doing here at 1 a.m. in the morning? He says, I took my girlfriend and dropped her off at her house, and I'm going home. What are you doing here at 1 a.m. in the morning? He said to the cop. He says, I'm rousting you, and I'll ask you the question. So he was, he was picked out and pulled over because he was white in a white neighborhood in a nice car. Why are you here? Because your car's old. Even though it was a BMW, to that cop, it was a chunk of shit. Because it was 30 years old or 25 years old, whatever it was at the time. Okay? It was a nice car. But it wasn't brand new. What's this punk white kid doing in this neighborhood? He must be here to rob people. Or he's a dope dealer. Okay? So I get when you get pulled over because of the color of your skin or where you're at. I get that. Guys, I do. Does that happen? Yes. Okay? So, but you have to look at it from the, from the police officer's perspective. Most of the time... The person that's scouting around at 1 a.m. in a junker is not somebody's boyfriend. Most of the time, it's somebody selling drugs, delivering drugs, picking up drugs, or casing the joint to rip places off and things and rip people off. Okay, so they assume things when they shouldn't, but they're doing that to try and keep the neighborhood safe. Does it suck when you get pulled over? Yeah. Yeah, it does. My brother kept getting pulled over at gunpoint and pulled out of his car at gunpoint. Because his car got stolen, and they reported it stolen, and then they got it back. And it didn't get taken out of all of the computer systems around the county and the state. So, about once a week, my brother would be driving with his wife and kids, and they'd get pulled out of the car at gunpoint. Because the car was still reported stolen, and they thought my brother was a, a white gangbanging thug with his tweaker girlfriend or whoever she was in the passenger seat. And they'd pull him out at gunpoint and have him sit down on the ground until they ran him and found out that it was his car 
And then they would look at my brother like he was an idiot for not fixing the thing. I told, I sent it in, I put it, you guys have to keep changing it in your systems and da da da. Eventually he got rid of the car. Because <laughs> he kept getting pulled over in it. So guys, I, I understand what you're saying. It does happen, but it was legit. The car was reported stolen. I see that on Live PD, which they've now taken off the air, by the way. I don't know if they're going to put it back on the air. Those of you who I know I'm rambling on, but that, that ticked me off. This is why I'm saying this now because I'm mad. This is my, my standing up on a soapbox. They, they took the Live PD off the air because of the protests. They, fe they felt that it was not doing any good. It was doing worse. I'm like, wait a minute. They're showing that the police are actually, you know, good guys. They're not all Gestapo. That you want to see that and understand that. That's why they have it on the air to begin with. So they need to put it back on the air. You guys at A&E, put it back on the air. You guys are idiots. Best show. It was the number one show. Number one show. That means more people were watching that. I think a lot of us were watching it to see if our friends and family members end up on there. <laughs> Just pulled out of their car at gunpoint. All right, guys. You guys have a good night. And like I said, don't buy into, and if I haven't said it, I'm saying it now. Don't buy into what the media is selling you because they're lying. They're lying to you about the COVID numbers. They're lying to you and they always have been. They don't tell the truth at all. The only thing they tell the truth is that there was an incident. After that, you want to hear, listen to them, you hear wah, 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 lying to you to try and get you to stay on my channel because that's what they're doing, okay? So we need, to, we need to stop them and hold them accountable as well, by the way. This is where the systemic problem is with racism in this country. It's the media and they try to make everything racist or whatever they can do to get more ratings okay so we need to we need to stop them from doing that or make them be held accountable okay same thing with politicians we need to stop them from having total anonymity to say anything they want to whether it's true or not unfounded accusations cannot go unchecked there has to be consequences for what people lie and spout off in England, if you go online and you spout off a lie about somebody, you can be sued and fined over it. Okay? That needs to be enacted in the United States. You'd be surprised how many people would shut the fuck up on the internet. Because you make it, oh, I didn't know. I got it from a website. Sorry, ignorance to the law is no recourse. Just because you didn't know that there was a law doesn't mean that you're innocent of it because you'll just claim it again. Oh, no, I didn't know. I thought that was real. I was just forwarding on what someone else said. Well, so that, then that someone needs to be fined as well. That won't take very long to get people to stop, if you, especially politicians, the same thing. They need to be outed on national television, and they need to apologize on national television. So the next time, like some of you would love that right now, because a lot of you believe that Donald Trump doesn't spout off a, a word of the truth. So I think right now, I think that the, this would be a perfect time for us in the United States to go after this and hold people accountable for the shit that they say. If you spout off a lie and it's proven that you spout off a lie, you get fined and owe money. And if you don't have the money, then we're going to take something. We're going to put you out on the streets and take your house. I'll bet you everybody would shut the hell up and stop lying, wouldn't they? You wouldn't have so many trolls, would you? Well, I'll just have to do it anonymously. Yeah, then you're going to have to try and hide your signal and all that stuff. We'll have people that will be paid to hunt you down, get your IP address and find you. Uh, it doesn't work. For people overseas because they all share the same IP address. Well, there's a simple way around that. Stop doing that in other countries. Every single person has their own IP address and that's problem solved. 
You're going to have to have fake out all that. You guys are going to have to get smarter and better, and trolls will be far less. It'll be just like viruses. There's not very many of those because you have to be fucking smart to write one. Okay? Same thing for trying to, to fake an IP address, and you have to be fucking smart to do that. So there wouldn't be that many trolls, and people would be going to jail. Oh, no, now we're locking people up. No, we're going to find them. They don't go to jail. You know, maybe we'll do a three strikes. Shoot you in the head if you lie three times in, the, in public. Wouldn't that be something? You know how many people would be dead in this country? Probably all of us. All the politicians would be dead across the planet in the fucking heartbeat and the lawyers and the judges. All right, now I'll just ramble, ramble, ramble. Screw you guys. Have a good night.